1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of In the Details, a celebration of nuance, where each episode, I queen out on all the acting choices, micro moments, and magic in the minutia that make a scene great. My name is Colin Drucker, your name is Barbara Bel Geddes, and we are continuing our celebration of the Golden Girls this week. I uh, have said it before. I will say it again, and then I'll do a whole episode in response to it. But I am long overdue. An episode dedicated to the nuances of Blanche Devereaux as brilliantly performed by Rue McClanahan on The Golden Girls. uh, I uh, I was about to say I don't know where to start, but I do. I already did. I made a list. I made a list of ten nuances that I think are a perfect example of all the things I love about Blanche. I don't know if these would necessarily be a best of, and I'm probably going to forget some that you love. I I dread the tweet or the email. How could you forget? Insert moment here. Um, I don't dread it. It'd be great to hear from you. That's fine. But um, know that putting together this list, I was aware that at some point, somewhere in the seven seasons, and what was it, like one season of the Golden Palace, uh, I was probably missing a magical moment. So... Um, If we have to do another one of these episodes, we will. But before we get into Blanche, I feel like I have gone on so many times on this podcast about a one Miss Brenda Vaccaro. I mentioned her briefly in the episode about Rose last week, or, you know, the last episode I did, which is a little over a week ago. But who's doing the math? Who's checking the calendar? I don't know. You? Me? I don't know. But uh, Brenda Vaccaro is indeed an Emmy-winning guest star the golden girls and if you're not familiar with who brenda vaccaro is or why i'm talking about her i i don't know how you got this far i don't know how you found this podcast uh who are you well uh, it's nice to meet you but uh if you don't know brenda vaccaro is um what can i say an inspiration an icon a legend i think if i were to actually do drag if barbara please was to come into existence that would be my drag name obviously uh, I think that I would essentially be Brenda Vaccaro. I think it would be some kind of reincarnation of Brenda in the 80s. I think that's probably what I would look like in full drag. So um, the reason I, I – she is, of course, like the reason I keep bringing her up is because in my early cataloging as a as a little gay boy, watching Airport 77 and the Poseidon Adventure and, uh, you know – pretty much those two movies back to back over and over. I was kind of, you know, when I get obsessed with something, I get really obsessed with something. Uh, and so uh, she was, of course, the uh, a star of Airport 77 and uh, was just kind of became a fixture, became a name that I knew, became someone that I recognized. And, you know, it was kind of like the way my brother used to watch Ghostbusters all the time when we were a kid. And so There were times where I I wasn't sure if we were related to Sigourney Weaver, like, why did I think I knew this woman so well? Uh, Why was she in our home so often? And that was why. And so I think Brenda's, it's similar. It's like, do I have an Aunt Brenda? Kind of, but not really. The reason I've gone on this long about Brenda Vaccaro is, of course, uh, because I feel like I'm not going to have a whole episode dedicated to her Emmy Award winning performance in season six's Tide Revenge uh, but I have mentioned uh, that episode before I mentioned it. In the Rose episode, it will be coming up again in this week's episode. And so I thought just as a little act one, a moose bush, you know, opening act, whatever you want to call it, uh, we could just highlight, really, I think the best moment of that episode. And and the, the line delivery that, that sticks with me. Like, I need more people to know what I'm talking about when I say... What he was, Sophia, was a good man. Uh, anyway, so this is, if you don't know, so this episode is from season six of The Golden Girls Ebb Tide's Revenge. Dorothy's brother, Phil, dies. Phil's wife, Angela, uh, and Sophia have had a long standing feud for years, which then kind of erupts, of course, here at the funeral, as all good family feuds do. And, uh, finally, uh, at the end of the episode, we come to find out what the conflict was. I won't ruin it all for you. Not that it's, you know, this isn't the crying game, but you know, if you haven't seen it, go see this episode, but, uh, it's a great episode for Sophia. Uh, they finally have a heart to heart as facilitated by Rose in one of her finest moments. And we get this great little really, Estelle Getty, one of her best acting moments on the whole series, we get this moment and then we get this response from from uh, Angela, as played by Brenda Vicaro, Emmy Award winning guest star of Golden Girls. Uh, and you already know what the line is because I already said it. But now you can get the context.
0: Oh, don't let that happen to you, Sophia. Let go of the shame. So what if he was different? It's OK that you loved him. I did love him, he was my son,
2: my little boy, but every time I saw him I always wondered what I did, what I said, when was the day that I did whatever I did to make him the way he was? What he was, Sophia was a good man my baby is gone oh Sophia
1: anyway that feels like a fun note to kick this episode off with right uh so let's talk about Blanche Devereaux let's talk about Rue McClanahan um I mean I think that using these these 10 examples is a great way to express all my feelings without you know going into a whole love letter but I will say this I I have seen because I'm you know I'm I've seen some drag queens here or there and and obviously the Golden Girls is is ripe material for drag and I have rarely seen anyone like really nail doing impersonations of the Golden Girls I think that there are really broad details that you can take like even you know Dorothy I feel like drag queens love Dorothy because Bea Arthur you know was a uh, a real handsome gal, you know, and so it, you could see where the inspiration might lie. But I feel like, you know, just assuming Dorothy's, you know, stone face or her or her deep tone of voice or just affecting Blanche's southern accent um, or just kind of putting on a bit of like a sexual coup isn't enough. Like it's not It it's way too broad, I think. In particular, with Blanche, there's so much more that's lived in about her that I think just doesn't read in those impersonations unless you're going to settle into those details. You know, I, I think the way that Blanche can adjust an earring or kind of fluff her hair or... Uh, The way she can act with a with a paper book romance novel, you know, the way she can she can be reading on the couch and then put the book down and look up and the way she holds the book, the way she closes it. Like there's all these little details that are kind of give us the inner life of Blanche Devereaux that I think it doesn't come out if you just kind of sashay around in a housecoat and heels, you know, I mean, live your life. Put on the heels, put on the house coat. live your life. I'm just saying. And I don't say that as someone who would be any better at it than anyone else. It's just what I've noticed. And so I think these are also some great examples of where all those details lie and why there's so much more to this performance than just being the original Samantha Jones. Like, I I think that's, uh, sure, Blanche walked so Samantha could run, but there's a lot more to it. Uh, So, you know, we're going to use number 10 not as the 10th best moment, because really this would be probably one of Blanche's best moments. But I think a great example of uh, a set piece for Rue McClanahan is the season one episode, A Little Romance, when Rose is dating the little person, Dr. Jonathan Newman, and they invite him over for dinner. And that's when Dorothy and Blanche discover that he indeed is a little person I hope I'm using the right term. I, I, is there that show, The Little the little People of L.A.? I, I feel like if it was not the right term, they wouldn't call the show that, right? And there's another moment on this list of Blanche meeting someone at the door and being mistaken. This is, uh, this is a bit that I can watch all day long. But I think this from season one is a real classic set piece because we really get to see Blanche kind of in three different phases. So let's play out this first part here that ends... We'll end on really one of Blanche's funniest lines, one of the best lines of the whole series. Uh, So let's just kick this off. Dr. Newman has just arrived at the house. Dorothy has greeted him at the door. She's done her own rendition of this. And now Blanche has come into the living room to see them there.
0: Oh, Blanche, Blanche, this is Dr. Jonathan Newman.
2: Get out of here.
0: But Dorothy, he's a A little early, yes, but we're delighted to see him. Hi, Jonathan. Hello, Rose, you're looking lovely this evening. Oh, wait a
2: minute. Rose Nyland, you devil, you. I just figured out what's going on here.
0: Blanche.
2: You were sore at me for inviting your friend without asking you, so you had this guy to come over and teach me a lesson. <laughs> God, I wish I was dead.
1: <laughs> I mean, the the journey that she goes on of realizing that this was not a practical joke and that just genius micro moment of God, I wish I was dead is... The stuff of legends. Jesus. But the other moment that I also really love from this little segment is when Dorothy introduces him to Blanche. And she kind of processes it for a second and then has that, get out of here. And it's worth watching the way her body language, the way her her body kind of slackens a little bit when she says it. She's like, oh, come on. Like, it's... Um, it's great. It's just it, I don't know for some reason that just stands out to me is the way she does it. Oh, get out of here, which is is a kind of a, a recurring Blanche line that she does different ways throughout the series, which I love. I feel like that doesn't get recognized enough as Blanche's get out of here. Like I should have I should have at some point a supercut of all the times that she said get out of here. So th- so then we have this that, that incredible journey. That incredible uh, first she kind of pokes at Rose and laughs, and then she looks at Doctor Newman and laughs. And then, you know, it's like, okay, this, I, someone's got to be, someone has to agree with me here. And then she turns to Dorothy and laughs and Dorothy won't even look at her. And then there's just that to the audience, that fabulous take. Um, And then, yeah, the fabulous line of God, I wish I was dead. Then obviously the scene continues. And I love this. It's like a scene in three acts, you know, because then Dorothy escorts Blanche into the kitchen to kind of talk some sense into her. And uh, there's a great, there's a great Dorothy moment in here as well, but, but let's play the kitchen scene and then we'll talk about a couple of things I love.
0: Blanche, let's go get the hors d'oeuvre. Oh, excuse us.
2: Oh, Oh,
0: I have never been so
2: embarrassed in my entire life. I made a fool of myself, didn't I? Yes. <laughs> I feel awful, just awful.
0: Listen, if you don't want tonight to turn into a total disaster, you have to stop being so self conscious. Oh, well, you're
2: right, of course. Dr. Newman is a guest in our home. If I'm self-conscious, he'll be ill at ease. I can't allow that to happen. It would be unsouthern.
1: <laughs> Eventually, there will be a Dorothy episode all about B. Arthur's timing and her precision. I mean, I, I think I said it in the Rose episode, but again, just, B. Arthur is a Swiss watch with comedic timing. But I love that moment where they go into the kitchen and, and Blanche says, like, I made a fool of myself, didn't I? And Dorothy has these like aghast hands on her cheeks and she turns away and, and and with this kind of smile of disbelief on her face. Yes, you know, one of those moments. And it's uh it's perfect because in the script, all it is is one word. And and everything that actually makes that reaction funny is because of be Arthur. But We'll get to her in another episode. Anyway, what I really love about this scene is Blanche, you know, kind of comes back to reality and comes to her senses, and that fabulous moment where she kind of reaches up and she fixes her earring and she says, it would be un-southern. And, and this there's this... <laughs> she, like, flutters her eyelashes and kind of, like, purses her lips. It's, it's like this this spell, this this southern spell... <laughs> kind of washes over her and she and she she kind of gets her she gets her inner debutante energy and has dorothy you know confidently asks dorothy to get the door for her as she grabs the the tray of hors d'oeuvres and moves into just a a genius final act of this moment with with one word once again it's a word on the on the page in terms of what's on the script and the rest of it is what blanche does in the scene what rue does in the scene
0: that's a good bell (laughs) get the door
2: shrimp
1: there's so much genius in this moment what i i love how she comes out She says shrimp. She offers up the shrimp. And then there's the pause of her realizing. It's almost like you can see her look at Jonathan and go, oh, God, no, that's not. This is all wrong. And she has this great sort of physical comedy of just like the hand that's not holding the tray is almost like pushing the whole moment away. It's like she's pushing away the entire moment. And she does this full circle around the coffee table without even missing a beat and circles right back into the kitchen. It's Genius. It's just so funny. And I think that that is a great representation of all of the ways in which Blanche is more than just a sex pot. Like, I think this is a great uh, kind of like if you were going to do like a an awards reel for Rue McClanahan, I think this is a great set piece to show all the other things she does as Blanche. There aren't many moments of like outright physical comedy in the Golden Girls, but there is another scene from season one from the episode A Second Motherhood where Blanche meets the really rich guy and, and uh, he whisks her away on his on his private jet and he um, feeds her caviar and champagne and eventually proposes to her. And then, of course, she finds out that he has kids and he's looking for her to kind of um, pick up where his last wife left off. And there's a scene of them on his private jet where he is uh, facing us, turned away from her, pouring champagne, and she's in the background in this kind of, you know, reclining, almost Eames-looking chair. This is much more of, obviously, a, a visual gag, and so great choice for a podcast but uh, it's so worth checking out this moment where it's it's classic physical comedy. It's classic farce where, you know, he has no idea what's going on behind him. She's sitting in the chair, and then she accidentally reclines it, and she's all the way back, you know, uh, you know, lying flat on her back and for the first time ever doesn't want to be. And it's this whole set piece of her trying to get up out of the chair, trying to get the chair up before he turns around with the champagne. And it goes on like... It's it, it. She she looks like it's like a turtle that's turned over on the, on its you know shell, and you can see the panic in her eyes. You can see her you know kind of the thought process of her trying to figure out where the where the lever is and turning to one side and turning to the other, and there's that kind of suspense that comes with these moments. Um, I'm gonna play it here like the audio because I think, I mean this is, I don't really love laugh tracks all the time, but I think the laugh track is an interesting cue of of all the all the bits that she's doing while he's talking well uh, i haven't been wealthy all my life you know oh
2: really no oh.
0: i started out in the shipping department of a large manufacturing company oh. and after lots of hard work and long hours 10 years later i owned the company uh-huh. mm-hmm. <laughs> And now, I own a lot of companies with branches all over the world. And the amazing thing is, the work is just as exciting to me now as it was the day I started. How about some champagne? This isn't meant to impress you. This is just to get you tipsy.
2: (laughs) Richard, you rascal.
1: (laughs) We rarely get to see Blanche be that wacky. And there's another moment later on this list that uh, we do probably see her at her wackiest. But we'll get there when we get there. This next moment is from season four, uh, Yes, We Have No Havanas, in which Blanche and Sophia are uh, both dating the same, you know, aging Cuban cigar mogul, Fidel. Uh, and of course, you know, are uh, both vying for his attention and, and for his time. And th- the moment that I want to highlight is just this one line that has stuck with me. I think I saw this uh, episode at some point you know earlier in in my in my life when it was on tv when it was on lifetime or whatever and this line always stuck with me uh and i've just i've been obsessed with this joke ever since and the delivery i mean the the writing is great and in general a lot of these jokes you know uh some credit can go to the script as well because it, it was such tight writing but the delivery here the the vocal intonation that she does is just uh, next level.
0: This was bound to happen. The two of you have been running that man ragged for weeks. It's no wonder he got confused. Hello? Confused? How could he possibly confuse this
2: young, nubile body with that... Raisin in sneakers.
1: The, the, the pattern that she creates with that is just brilliant. And I love the image and I love the insult of this raisin in sneakers. Like, I, that is uh, just too funny. So that is another one of my favorite nuances. And, and really a highlight of um, those, little, those little vocal intonation things. Those little, you know, ways of delivering the word, finding the curve in the word that Rue is just so good at. This next moment is purely a visual shot, so I uh, apologize, again, for choosing something that doesn't really fit an audio medium, but it's it, it was important enough to choose because of the meaning it has to me. This is from the season seven episode Journey to the Center of Attention, uh, which is the one where Blanche brings Dorothy to the rusty anchor, and then Dorothy kind of becomes the, um, the star of the bar, and, and Blanche starts losing attention while Dorothy's... Uh, singing, you know, old show tunes or whatever. Um, it's so th- there's this one shot. Dorothy has been coaxed into singing "What'll I Do," and it's great. It's a great little performance. It's a great moment for B. And all of the men at the bar, of course, are just transfixed and are moving towards her like moths to a flame. And there's this great shot of Blanche sitting at the bar watching, and she's got this dismayed distressed look on her face this like real like um dramatic moment of of realizing that she's not the center of attention and i became so obsessed with that shot uh that a number of years ago i started a tote bag line like i started designing tote bags and that's a whole other story you know which eventually i'll start doing again i mean a lot of the designs on the tote bags were these like obscure references that i kind of like reused and and edited to mean something else and so one of the examples of that was the logo i had the tote bag line was called deep cuts and that's what they were they were all these like references uh there's a through line here with this podcast right and kind of the logo for for this tote bag line was this like heavily edited image of this shot of Blanche with the words deep cuts across the face and you know there was no contextual explanation I just loved pulling this scene from this episode of this this TV show and um, kind of pulling it out of the original context and like re um, recontextualizing it and and on its own it looks like a shot from a you know uh, a soap opera or some kind of heavy dramatic movie and I love kind of seeing that depth uh, once you kind of take it out of it, out of how we know it. And so uh, that's why I included that here, uh, because that moment has always kind of meant something to me. And I use it as an inspiration to do something creative for like a year. So uh, I don't know if I'll do tote bags again. I always say it on All Right, Mary, you know, putting things on a tote bag. And that's why it's because I could literally put things on a tote bag. I have, I, I'm, I'm looking at the the machinery, the heat press uh, in my office right now. So who knows? At some point, uh, maybe that'll happen again. So the next moment I wanted to talk about is from the season four episode of 72 Hours, which is, of course, the one when Rose uh, potentially contracts HIV from a blood transfusion and then has to wait three days for her test results. Uh, This is obviously much more so a Rose episode than anybody else, but... Blanche has a great role in it. Obviously, as the more sexually promiscuous one of the ladies, uh, I I thought it was really smart to kind of have her speak up about and speak for, you know, having sex at this time, you know, before there were cocktails and drugs that, you know, were saving people's lives and, you know, prep and whatnot. I mean, it was, think of like the context. I mean, kind of talking about taking things out of context, putting it into context the episode might feel a little dated now, but at the time it, uh, it's pretty meaningful. Um, and especially that it's, you know, these, these four older women, I mean, you know, people, there's even a line where Rose says like, this isn't supposed to happen to me. And I think that was obviously the perception from a lot of people's like, Oh, this doesn't happen to me. Uh, I'm a good person. She says, and that's kind of what kicks off this moment with Blanche. That's very much, you know, a, a, a very special episode kind of moment. Um, but I think that Rue plays it really well. I mean, she has this these lines that are meant to say something and be a statement. But I think she really sells it. And what I really love is this moment towards the end, uh, which obviously I'll play the clip here. But Rose says, "Like you're right, you know, I'm sorry, you're right." And Blanche says, "You're damn right, I am." And and that she still has that like she's still angry, like, you know, she's still kind of fired up about this, even after Rose has admitted that she's right. I think that that is what makes this feel more real and less like a, you know, after school special moment.
0: Damn it. Why is this happening to me? I mean, this isn't supposed to happen to people like me. You must have gone to bed with hundreds of men. (laughs) innocent operation
2: hey wait a minute are you saying this should be me and not you no
0: no I'm just saying that I am a good person (laughs) (laughs) hell I'm a goody-two-shoes AIDS is
2: not a bad person's disease rose it is not God punishing people for their sins you're right Blanche well you're damn straight I'm right
1: all right. Well, let's lighten things up a little bit with, um, alas, an episode that has already gotten some airtime, which is, of course, season six's "Ebb Tide Revenge featuring Brenda Vaccaro in an Emmy-winning guest starring role. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but, uh. What he was, Sophia, was a good man. Uh, So uh, there's another moment from this episode that I love. This isn't, of course, really a Blanche episode either, but she has this great moment where they are at the cemetery and these three veiled figures show up. Dorothy and Blanche are kind of observing them and trying to figure out who they are. And this is another example of just Rue's brilliant line delivery. Uh, where on the page, it's it's like, these are just three words, but she just finds the curve in the word again. And uh, this moment, anyway, let's play it, and then we'll talk about it.
2: I wonder who they are. You mean you don't know them? No. Now, this is awful. What? What's awful? Well, isn't it obvious? Veiled, shapely creatures, unknown to the family, coming to say one last secret goodbye to their special friend. You mean?
1: That's right, sluts. I like this nuance about Blanche in terms of her being the more sexually promiscuous one and the way that people compare her to Samantha Jones. I think there is there, there's, something. I mean, they they both tell tall tales and they both have kind of this sort of expert's point of view into um, sexuality and whatnot. And But I love how it's played for laughs here. I love that of course Blanche would recognize them. Of course Blanche would know. And I love that she's wrong. You know, like I think that that's also, and we saw that in that first scene with Dr. Newman, is that what's funny about Blanche is that there is this this confidence, but that she is frequently mistaken. She is frequently unaware. And um, it makes that confidence funny and, and makes her feel more relatable than you expect. Now this next moment is from season five's Sick and Tired Part 2. This is the two-part episode about Dorothy discovering that she has chronic fatigue syndrome. Uh it's a it's a great episode. It's certainly a Dorothy set piece. It was written by Susan Harris long after she stopped writing episodes for The Golden Girls and it has that feeling like something that I certainly noticed when you go back and watch episodes over and over and over is that when Susan Harris wrote the episode you can tell like there's a certain in some cases like the jokes are a little bit smarter or they're a little there's a little bit more of an edge to them, or there's just a there's a little more there's a little more oomph to the jokes. There's a little more oomph to the dialogue and I think while that's certainly true for Dorothy this episode, uh it's absolutely true for Blanche. I mean, she gets you know the whole narrative of her becoming a writer and then just being so swept up in the passions of writing that she can't sleep and she grows more and more delirious in her um in her newfound passion. Uh, It's, it's all a little ridiculous, right? But I think it's, it's supposed to be, I mean, the golden girls, even, even the more serious episodes, even the less farcical ones could kind of get away with this shit. And it's great because it lends this moment in part two of sick and tired where Blanche has been awake for three days and uh, she's had her own 72 hours and she is completely wrung out and she enters the kitchen looking like hell feeling like hell and just has uh, let's play out this little moment here i mean it goes on and on but i think this little section here is a great example of just rue being given room to just play you look terrible what day is this i've been
2: up for
0: 72
2: hours i had a breakthrough I discovered a new form of writing. I will go down in history. First, I wrote all day, then I tore it all up. And then that night it came to me, and the words poured forth like liquid from a stream. It was almost a mystical experience. Somebody else was writing this. Who? (laughs) Everman. This is Everman's work. It's all gold. Just open it anywhere, the magic will touch you.
1: I love that wackadoo delivery of like, you know, anywhere the magical touch you like, you know, offering up her her notebooks like it's just (laughs) that's one of those like no one can direct that it's just like it'll come out naturally. Uh, What's fabulous here is is, of course, let's give Dorothy another moment is her reaction uh, her like her subtle, oh, please, kind of just just even say anything. It's just like turn looking at her and then like walking away. It, it's such a great punctuation. Um, and some of that's in the editing as well. It's it's so perfectly timed. Uh, but then, of course, you know, let's just keep going here because then there's this moment where uh, they've already set up the joke where Rose is putting aside egg yolks in a little Ziploc bag. Because she's just making egg whites, and she'll save the egg yolks for something later, and that, of course, becomes the act one gun for this joke coming up here. That is, uh, yeah, it's it's like Rue. Why don't you just keep going? Why don't you just see how long you could keep this bit up? And she does.
2: But I'm so tired. I must sleep, and I cannot sleep. I am too tired to sleep. I will never sleep again. i may die from this what am i gonna do <laughs> my god i'm hallucinating i see little balls of sunshine in the bag. are egg yolk splash? My brain's gone. My body is limp with exhaustion. I suppose all the greats knew this feeling. And the thing is, after all this, I've decided not to sell my book. It's too good to sell. They can publish it after I'm dead. It's like Vincent Van Gogh was a painter, Blanche. Whatever, it's all the same thing. We're all artists, we're all misunderstood. He cut off his hair, maybe I'll cut off. (laughs) He cut off his ear. I have too many earrings.
1: (laughs) I mean, I think the, like, I've got too many earrings is, like, such a Susan Harris joke, but then Rue's delivery of that, uh, kind of, like, clutching her notebooks and kind of looking away. Like, she's got this, like, Um, oblivious high school girl kind of moment it anyway that is another great set piece for room of of just like let her just run and she just finds all these notes this that whole bit could have gotten really old Um, and I think in a lesser person's hands it would have let's jump to another two-parter episode Uh, this is from season four this is Sophia's wedding this is from part one Uh, there is this there i think he shows up more than once as the gay wedding planner uh it's i mean there's that great moment so anyway uh without going into the whole episode sophia is going to marry max weinstock and then she locks herself in the bathroom because i think dorothy won't give her blessing for the marriage and so she's calling it off if they can't get dorothy's blessing and the gay wedding planner comes in and uh there's, I mean, here's another great Dorothy moment. What can I say? There's just one more of him coming in, and there's Dorothy at the bathroom door trying to talk to Sophia, and he looks at her and he goes, listen here, Stretch.
0: It's 2 o'clock. The guests are waiting. Why isn't the show on the road? <laughs> Ma, I know you're in there. The wedding is off. She doesn't approve. She doesn't approve? Now look here, Stretch. Stretch. <laughs> <laughs> I have a hundred cheese puffs and a sensitive assistant, both on the verge of collapse. (laughs) Whatever the problem is, overlook it. My mother did with my marriage. And if you say something smart, I'll slap you silly. Listen, this is a private moment, so butt out, Rambo.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And again, it's just, you know, be Arthur. just nailing reactions like i just i i can't handle the way she looks at him when he says that i just it's just just, i don't know how she did it and i don't know anyone else who's as good at that kind of like saying everything with just like a blank stare uh kind of reaction but uh the moment of course resolves itself and and dorothy and sophia you know work things out sophia comes out of the bathroom and then the wedding planner then gets kind of emotional which leads to this response from blanche that is uh will never not make me laugh and it's uh it's a side of blanche you know we talk about her confidence and then being wrong but this is this confidence in blanche that i just um i i adore it is totally spot on
0: this is more moving than susan hayward's climactic speech and i want to live (laughs) you're ready to fly right out of here aren't you (laughs) Well, excuse me for living, Anita Bryant. <laughs> All
1: right, we are getting to the top two moments. Oh, well, they're not top two, but I, I guess I will say that I saved these two towards the end because I think they are uh, some of the best Blanche moments. And, and if you are a big fan of the Golden Girls and you've been listening along to this episode so far and you're wondering, where is the lesbian scene? what what list is this what what is this Michigas? if it's not going to include the lesbian scene so i hear you and um i was saving it up till now and i wanted to make it number one because i think the lesbian scene and in case you don't know what i'm talking about the lesbian scene is from season two isn't it romantic when dorothy's friend jean comes to visit and jean is of course a lesbian and Blanche and Rose don't know. Uh, Jean's partner, Pat has died recently and um, she meets Rose and has a lot in common with Rose and, and, you know, has a really nice connection with her and it starts to stir up some feelings for Jean. So then one night, Dorothy and Sophia are talking about it in bed because they're sharing a room because obviously Jean's there. And, you know anytime anyone even makes a peep or just laughs about one thing someone else in the house hears them and comes in this happens a lot in the golden girls and i accept it but blanche comes in hearing them laughing about something and it starts i mean it really an infamous scene let's break it down let's break down there's a couple moments there is the we keep talking about we keep i keep you're listening i'm saying i think you're listening um but i keep talking about uh, line deliveries, and just you know, lines on the page versus how they're delivered, and I think the first example is the different ways in which she says the word lesbian, and so you know, let's play out the first part of this clip up into that moment, and uh, it's just yeah, let's just let it happen.
2: Uh, what is going on? Nothing. <laughs> Come on now, I heard you laughing. What's so funny? For starters, Gina's a lesbian. (laughs) What's funny about that? You aren't surprised? Of course not. I mean, I've never known any personally, but isn't Danny Thomas
1: one?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not Lebanese, Glenn lesbian
2: <laughs> lesbian lesbian lesbian
1: now before we get into the lesbians one of the gestures i've always really loved is when she when she asks isn't danny thomas one she kind of turns and touches the back of her neck and touches her hair and i don't know why that always stuck with me it's just like the perfect gesture the perfect way to ask that question and then there's the lesbian journey and it's it's kind of like the first moment we talked about this episode. I talked about you listened, I think, where uh, she has that processing, and uh, it's the it's kind of the the realization that this was not all a joke. And this moment here is similar, where she's realizing what that it it's not that Jean is Lebanese; it's that she's a lesbian. <laughs> and you know what? Let's just give let's just give B credit where credit's due. The way that the way that B. Arthur says, not Lebanese, Blanche, lesbian, not Lebanese. Like it's <laughs> like, right. It's perfect. Right. Like the first lesbian, it, it's just like, she's getting a sense of what the word is. She's just figuring out all of the consonants and vowels. And then the second lesbian, there's like lesbian. And she's thinking about it. it's like, what is a, le- why do I know this word? Why do I know what a lesbian is? And then it all starts to come to her and then it's that genius delivery that I, I, I would love to know the inspiration. Did she just do this? Did the director say, okay, and I, you know, can we try out some different ways of saying it, say that way on this version. Um, but that last delivery of lesbian, like the, the, as it goes into her chest, it's like a, it's like a motorcycle revving. It's the revving of the realization that Jean's a lesbian and you know what's great about it, and thinking about context, you know, thinking about timing. This was the late '80s. Uh, the the choice, I think, from here to not have Blanche be bothered by that, or grossed out, or upset, but just not really understanding it, and and next going to the 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 thought of like, but Jean's a very attractive woman; she could have any man she wants, and. Um, she very quickly gets to like, oh, well, I'll never understand it, but if that's what makes her happy, I think that's all very smart writing and like smart delivery. And I, that alone is enough to celebrate. But then of course, she she comes to find out that as Sophia says, Jean's got the hots for Rose. And it's this next moment here, this this surprise that is, is so well scripted and so well played
2: I'll never understand what Jean doesn't see in the opposite sex, but hey, if that's what makes her happy, that's fine by me.
0: There's one other thing. Jean thinks she's in love with Rose. Uh, Rose?
2: (laughs) Jean has the hearts for Rose? I don't believe it. I do not believe it. I was pretty surprised myself. Well, I'll bet. To think Jean would prefer Rose over me? That's (laughs) ridiculous. Please. Now you tell me the truth. If you had to pick between me and Rose, who would you pick?? pull yourself
0: together.
1: I love the hands on the hips i I love the way her elbows kind of move forwards and backwards. uh she she's this very I keep thinking of that episode, Henny Penny, which I think is like the season five finale or season six finale, um where Dorothy and Blanche and Rose and Sophia are all in the school play and Blanche is playing a chicken. Like I just, I think that's the perfect animal for her. She has such like a startled chicken quality here. And then this next moment, I mean, it's like such a, it's like a throwback to that first scene in season one when she, you know, kind of touches her earring and says, "That would be unsouthern." Like she, she does another one of those again here um, on, you know, Rose not being as worldly and sophisticated as she is, not worldly and sophisticated as I am
2: i'm sorry
0: <laughs>
1: does rose know
0: no
2: oh good i don't think you ought to tell her after all she's not as worldly and sophisticated about these things as i am <laughs> absolutely if she finds out danny thomas is a lesbian it will break her heart
1: we have one nuance left to discuss and i think it is i mean this would be a uh really a Blanche and then a Rose moment and then if we wanted to keep playing it out there's obviously a fabulous Dorothy moment and as I said before there would be another moment where Blanche uh, meets somebody at the door and is mistaken and this is really oh my god this whole moment every time I see it I, I find a new nuance like this has such a Valerie cherish the comeback kind of quality and that's of course the season two episode forgive me father when Dorothy uh, invites Father Leahy, not knowing he's Father Leahy, over to dinner, and she thinks that, you know, this teacher at her school is going to be a new love interest, and it turns out he's a priest. Um, He's a priest, isn't he? We'll get to that. But (laughs) anyway, this is this fabulous moment where he's been invited over for dinner, and Blanche answers the door, and he's standing there, and, you know, he's got the collar and the jacket, and he's got the whole priest garb on, and Uh, let's, let's let this play out and then we'll talk about it a little bit.
0: Good
2: evening. (laughs) Good evening, father. My, my, this must be an important cause. Don't you usually make the nuns ask for money?
0: (laughs) I'll get my purse. I'm Frank. I'm here to see Dorothy.
2: You're the hunk? I mean, forgive me, Father. Uh, that is, forgive my language. Uh, uh, not in your official capacity. I'm not even a Catholic, I'm a Baptist, and you can't forgive us, Baptists. <laughs> jesus why am
1: i babbling i mean let's let's stop there like just the the script plus the delivery of it of that whole moment of like forgive me father well you know i mean not in your uh you know professional capacity i mean you can't anyway i'm a baptist and and the way that that kind of all tumbles out of her and and as it as then she gets to the end of it like she's She's starting to sweat, and that, that great thing that Rue does, where she, um, you know, she'll kind of fix her hair or, or dab her forehead, or um, she does a lot of it here of really just like dabbing the sweat on her forehead.
2: I meant that in all due reverence. I never take the Lord's name in vain. Oh God, now I'm lying to a priest. Why don't you just come on in and sit down? I'm, I'm Blanche. I'm Dorothy's
1: roommate. Would you get the door? I mean, often I don't like laugh tracks, but I think in these moments, like it, it does its job because it really is that funny. And so uh, I, I, I look at the laugh track or I listen to it as an appreciation of, of what she's doing in this moment. And I also love how she and this to me feels like Rue just kind of did this and they made it work where uh she kind of introduces herself and says hi I'm I'm Blanche I'm Dorothy's friend and she gives this weak handshake and then turns away just to get away from him and and she's like okay oh, c- could you get the door please like it's it's this great smaller note of just like normally she would get the door like normally she would escort him in like she'd know how to be the hostess and I love in this moment that it fails completely so then they have some chit chat and and the but the next moment and it's it's great but the next moment that I want to highlight is when Rose comes in And it's, I mean, you know, while this list is obviously so much about Blanche, I am so glad to give Rose this moment because it is equally, uh, with Now I'm lying to a Priest, this is also one of my favorite lines and one of the best deliveries in the entire series.
0: Hello, I'm Rose Nyland. You must be frank. It's a pleasure to finally meet you. Thank you, Rose. It's very nice to meet you, too. Dorothy's done nothing but talk about you for weeks. Rose. Every time she mentions your name, she practically glows. Rose. I think she's really very smitten with you. Rose. He's a priest, isn't he?
1: And what's funny is she kind of has one of those moments, like Blanche has, in you know uh, a little romance where she has that realization. She has that progressive realization, uh, and and as she's talking, like you can see it on her face, and that's what's great about it is she's still saying the bullshit of like, oh, she's she said nothing but great things about you, but you can already see the doubt, and then <laughs> and then just the dismay of like, he's a priest, isn't he? <laughs> Oh, my God. I, I think that is like that's one of those great Rose moments where she just completely breaks out of the usual like sweet tone that she hits. And it's just she just gets real. <laughs> He's a priest, isn't he? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, Anyway, obviously, this scene also just to kind of wrap it up and give Dorothy one more moment. And it, it's a classic line, of course, is that she then comes in in this green glittery top and and um, realizes that Frank is, is a priest, and the other, the other two leave, and they're left alone to sit on the couch, and there is this, of course, brilliant line. I'm
0: glad you're here. Yeah, well, so am I. <laughs> you look lovely tonight. I look like the mother of a solid gold dancer.
1: <laughs> I like that line because I, I honestly think that B. Arthur's delivery of lines like that gave a template to so many gay men for what they would consider to be their comedic delivery. I mean, it really. I think that she's an inspiration to a lot of catty older gay men and catty younger ones, if 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 they know what they should be watching for references. Uh, anyway, those are the moments. Those are the those are the moments that I love of Blanche, and obviously some moments that I love of Dorothy, and a couple moments that I love of Rose. And eventually we'll get some Estelle Getty, Sophia Love in there as well. Um, I don't know what else to say except uh, I want to hear your thoughts. Do you agree? Do you disagree? What did I forget? Lovingly let me know. Uh, the best way to do that is to drop me an email at in inthedetailspod at gmail.com. You could also follow me on Twitter and leave me a message or a tweet there at Colin Drucker. Or you could find me on Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. Um, or you could find me on All Right Mary talking about Drag Race and you could find me on Best Supporting Podcast talking about Best Supporting Actresses. And, uh, yeah, I think those are a lot of places to find me. So, uh, I am not sure what the next episode is going to be, but there is a possibility that I may veer back into the comeback territory. I may come back to the comeback So, um, I've had an episode planned for a long time that I'm well overdue to do, and, um, maybe I'll do it. Maybe that's next. I don't know. Uh, I feel like no one would be upset about that. So, anyway, that's all I got for you this week. Thank you, of course, for joining me for another celebration of all the acting choices, micro-moments, and magic of the minutiae that make a scene great here on In the Details. See ya!
2: you'll excuse me Ah! that's what I said I'm staying I'm staying